Geeked. Hello, Geeks. I'm Princess Weeks. And I'm Tessa Netting. And you're listening to The Geeked Podcast, your weekly energy boost of the world's fandoms and stories you love. Each week, we're going to skim the surface of what's popular in geek culture, then deep dive into the lore of Netflix worlds bigger than our own. Today's world is one we all know and love. And if you don't, what are you doing with your life? Upgrade yourself. We're talking about Stranger Things, y'all. Yes, Stranger Things season four. Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about that we had to split this up into two parts. So this episode is part one, and we're going to talk about episodes one through six of Stranger Things. And then in part two, coming out tomorrow, we're diving into Stranger Things episode seven and all of our theories for the rest of season four. I'm so excited to talk about it with you. And if I sound different today, it's because I'm on vacation, but geekness takes no vacation. So if I sound a little different, it's because I'm in my value hotel room drinking Coca-Cola and looking at my beautiful co-host face as we record this amazing podcast episode. And guys, we also have a special interview with Joseph Quinn, the actor who plays one of my favorite new characters, Eddie Munson, the leader of the Hawkins High D&D Club, the Hellfire Club. An amazing uh, X-Men cameo, if I may say so myself. But Tessa, my darling, what are you geeked about this week. The only thing that has me geeked is Stranger Things season four, Tessa. Honestly, same. Do you just want to get into the rest of the episode? Please, let's do it. So to get us into the Stranger Things mood, we're going to play a little game we like to call Fight Club. That's right. The first rule of Fight Club is you do talk about Fight Club. Right now, on this podcast, this is a game we're playing. <laughs> Basically, we are going to pit two characters against each other and decide which one would win in a battle. And one of those characters will be from Stranger Things. <laughs> so we're rooting for them, but we will see. <laughs> <laughs> we're rooting for them. <laughs> we're rooting for them, but it's hard in these streets. Let's go. It is hard. It, it's it's tough. So first, we're starting off probably the toughest. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Uh, round one, fight. <laughs> round one, we have in one corner, Eleven from Stranger Things. You know and love her. She's Elle. She's powerful. She has telekinetic energy. We're, let's pretend her powers are back, you know. Let, yes. let's, let's give her the benefit of the doubt here. And then in the other corner, we have five, 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 five from the Umbrella Academy. Number five himself. He's very, very skilled. He is a trained assassin. Do we think when we pit them up against each other, like, basically we have... Two characters, two children, or I guess one's technically not semi a semi-child. Yes, semi-child looks two two characters that look like children that have odd numbers for names. So, who do we think is gonna win, Princess? Who do you think is gonna win here? Um, do you think L stands a chance? Even though I think Eleven has the better powers, I think I'd have to go for five, mainly mm. because like. He knows how to use his powers very competently without bleeding from his nose. And he is the like, shade. I mean, it's, it, it happens to the best of us, Queen. And he is also like a 60-something-year-old man. So mm-hmm. he's had just a lot more time to have strategy and tactics. Experience. That I think, yeah, I think he has his XP points are higher. And yeah. he's got really good wisdom. That He's got all the things. He's got wisdom, dexterity. All that stuff. I mean, he can jump through time and space. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. Like, I feel like he could just immediately jump behind Eleven and just take her, her out. out. And yeah. she wouldn't even know what was coming. Yeah. So. You have any idea how many people I have killed? And I just think that he would know how to take her out before she would know how to handle his powers. Yeah. So. That's sh- I'm mm-hmm. so- sorry, L. I love you, but I'm gonna have to go with five. Sorry, L. I think five's gonna win. Five is the victor, flawless victory. <laughs> <laughs> Round two, Nancy Drew Wheeler versus Hermione, not like other girls, Granger. Begin. That's right. 
in one corner, we have Nancy Wheeler. And in the other, we have Hermione Granger, two bushy-haired overachiever girls that... Well, and let's pretend that Hermione doesn't have magic, but let's think about, like, the power of their minds if huh. this was, like, a debate or some sort of thing where they were both using their strengths. Like, who do we think would, like, outsmart the other? Would it be Nancy or would it be Hermione? Honestly, if it was, like, to debate and get people on their side, I would go for Nancy. I don't think... Mm. I think the thing that Nancy has going for her that Hermione doesn't is that Hermione is not a charismatic person. She is mm. not, she is not mm-hmm. like evidence spew, you know? It's like she is not mm. good at getting people mm-hmm. on her agenda. Right. Whereas Nancy right. is not also, she's also not a great team leader. I think people yeah. would follow her and trust her more than they would trust Hermione. And I think Nancy also has more protagonist energy, which in terms of brain acumen makes you make more risks, whereas Hermione is very risk-averse. I I do agree that Nancy is better at bringing a team together than Hermione is. And, I mean, in this season, I think Nancy really stepped it up, actually, because Mm -hmm. she she was, like, making the plans for everything. And she was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. So I do think that she is good at, like, coming up with the plan. I do think that Hermione is better at executing a plan, um, like thinking through all the things that could happen. Nancy doesn't really do that um, Mm -hmm. very well. So I don't know. I don't know about like... I, I, I agree with you that Nancy has better people skills. She could definitely convince people to get on her side. But I do think that Hermione could outsmart Nancy. Like, because, I mean, Hermione has done some things where it's like, girl, like, how did you even think of that? Like, yeah. that's kind of, like, badass. Like, that's nuts. So, uh, I, it's hard. It's difficult, but. Mm-hmm. We, can, we have to call it. We have to call in. Uh, I think we have to call it. Because I think I'm going to say Hermione and I think you're going to say Nancy. So, I think we should. Yeah. I think I think we should ask our lovely producer, Kelly, based on our arguments and your knowledge of these IPs, who do you think? Who is your favorite? <laughs> who do you say? Nancy or Hermione? Um, honestly, the, the what I was coming up with in my head was that Nancy and Hermione would just end up joining the same team. Kelly chose the lesbian option. She's just like, those would be <laughs> yes, best friends. Lesbian option. Round two. Lesbians victorious. Yes. <laughs> Lesbians victorious. Love that. Why fight? That is always the, the better conclusion. Like, why are we fighting? <laughs> Let's kiss. This Love is it. dumb. Let's go hang out with our friends. Um, <laughs> round three. We have Dart, the Demogorgon pup slash Demodog versus the one, the only, the eating champion of the world, Monsieur Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo-Doo! Fight! Uh, this is terrifying to me. <laughs> I'm Scooby very... would get so hurt, and I'm so sad for him. He would get slaughtered. This is not we good. Sh- we should have at least given it to Crypto. You know, Crypto at least I is like, like Kryptonian. <laughs> Crypto. <laughs> Okay, I think that it's not fair that Scooby-Doo is by himself because I think that Scooby is merely an extension of Shaggy's infinite power. So I think if Shaggy was with him, then Shaggy could, like, destroy Dart very easily. But Scooby alone, he has no chance. So I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, I think I think Scooby-Doo is going to be a demodog food. Uh, oh, no! Is he will- be a Scooby <laughs> no! <laughs> Not a Scooby snack. <laughs> and now it is time for the moment we've all been waiting for. Let's dive into the new season of Stranger Things. Season 4, Volume 1, Episodes 1 through 6, baby! I'm pumped, but just so you know, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert, spoiler warning, spoilers! Guys, this is a spoiler alert, okay? If you have not watched the first volume of Stranger Things, the new season, do not listen to this. Watch it, then listen. Watch, listen, okay? This is your warning. That is all. 
We have spoken. This is time for spoilers. If you complain, we will remind you that you have been warned quite sufficiently. You have been warned. Sue, Tessa, what did we think? What did we think about season four, part one, part in? Oh my gosh. I just have to say that this season is so good. It it blew my expectations like out of the water. Seriously, like I think this is the best season since season one. And it's it's so hard because we haven't watched this show in a long time. It's been a long time. And so that made me really worried that I wouldn't like get as into the show because I haven't seen it and it's not like fresh on my brain but oh man they brought me back immediately it was so good it was it it just was the same stranger things like excitement that I felt after watching that first season of like the mystery the 80s vibes the like grounded in friendship like all oh my gosh I I loved it I loved it so much what about you princess I love this season so much. I think it probably, if not, is my favorite since season one is my favorite season because it brings up one of my absolute favorite true crime bits, which is like the satanic panic. Um, It is like one of the great things from me. So I rewatched season three before season four. And I love how that season is very much setting up like all of this weird stuff happening in the 80s will set people off because that was the middle of all that suburban, you know, panic of Satanism Mm -hmm. and D&D. So it was really fun to see the writers play with that concept in a world that is legitimately cursed. And that was excellent to me. And I always love it when that little Stephen King element comes through in Stranger Things. And like My Girl Eleven is going through her absolute biggest carry season. And mm-hmm. I've been wanting this for a long time. So it was just like, I- I'm feeling this season a lot. Aesthetically, the vibes, how it's using its setting, everything going on with Lucas right now. So um, I'm feeling it. Yes. It was just... It's one of those things, too, that, like, the kids are, like, older now, and I feel like they're my own children. Like, I, I am Joyce Byers, <laughs> and I'm like, well, well, my boy. Ah, Will like, is I'm so feeling. tall. When Will is here in the screen, I'm like, but you're a grown <laughs> man. I was like, who are these adults? I know. I know. It's it's a lot, but it makes me emotional. I, like, feel so protective over them. I'm like, we must save them. <laughs> I know. Especially, like, I think, like, The styling choices are really key because I think you have this juxtaposition of, like, Will, who still seems to be in his, like, arrested development state, still kind of dressing like himself, but it's just, like, a big man, you know, like, still, like, Mm -hmm. feeling like a kid but in a male body. You have Mike, who is, like, absolutely, like, a string bean of a lad. Um, You have Lucas, who is, like, sporting the, you know— the essential black male high top of the 80s. And then you have Eleven Jane, who is just out here full Amish. And I'm just sitting here like, <laughs> oh, sis, this is why the bullies are bullying. I don't I don't agree with it. But I was looking at her fits and I'm just like, Joyce, I know you got two sons, but come on, Winona. Come on, got my girl out here looking repressed. Like I was offended. <laughs> It is true because, like, in season three, she had, like, such cute outfits. Yes! And then she went back. It's it's all Joyce's fault. It's all—I blame Joyce. Like, like it's her—like, it, literally, I'm like, I know you're, like, styling your kids for comfort, but, like, Jonathan's out here, <laughs> like, full-on pothead. Will is still wearing the same clothes he was wearing when he was 12 years old. And you have Jane out here looking like she's about to— you know, try to convert me to Christ's love or like make me part of like her 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 six wives. I'm like, this is like not okay. Someone save her. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. And it's I did love the little like there were certain specific things where it just really brought in like the fashion and the vibes of the 80s. Well, I mean, we need to talk about so many things. There's so many things. Like we, okay. Hopper is alive. Hopper's <laughs> alive, which we knew. But I guess then I'll ask you is like, what was your big WTF moment from the season? Oh my gosh. Well, that was one of them. I mean, I knew that Hopper was alive. Like I called it like back, you know, way back. And so, but it was just nice having that confirmation. I was like, the mustache lives. 
amazing because I love I love Hopper. I'm in love, I love with Hopper him. Too. I love him. Emotions have been shared. He was too hot to die. I was like, there's no way he's dead. Like, daddy lives on. So wait, what do you think about the whole Nancy and Steve, like, hinted at romance that's rekindling? Are you all for that? I mean, here's the thing. I've always been team, like, I like Steve. I like Jonathan. I like Nancy. I feel like Nancy and Jonathan make sense in, like, an 80s rom-com. But in an 80s horror movie, I'm like, you need to be with Steve because Jonathan <laughs> Jonathan don't got no swing in his game like I remember watching season three she's about to get eaten by the mind slayer and he's just like Nancy I'm like but Steve is the one who will back a car into the wall I'm like that's the energy yes. you need in, in your man so I'm like y'all gotta figure Agreed. it out Jonathan is kind of a mess right now, personally. Like, he's all over the place. He really needs to find himself and figure it out. And it was actually... The whole, like, Jonathan-Nancy thing kind of, like, pissed me off a little bit because I'm like... They could have just started the season with them, like, broken up or right. something. Maybe they're trying to do, like, a love triangle thing and trying to bring that into it. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's, like, not strong enough. Yeah. So And we I'm, already did that. You know, we've already had yeah, the love triangle between the three true. of them. And I just feel like I was always team Steve. Jonathan is just, like, to me, of the, of the core cast— Jonathan has always been the most extraneous, the most caught up in everyone else's thing and being pulled his own way. He doesn't, he's rudderless. He doesn't have a purpose or a journey. <laughs> Princess. <laughs> he can go. I mean, if, we're, if we have to, if we have to kill someone, he can go. So your team killed Jonathan. I mean, I definitely if, if think someone like, must die. <laughs> someone is going to die, but yeah. I don't think they're going to die now. Anyway, I do think at the end, end, like when this is finally done, when Stranger Things is Stranger Things is all over, they're going to have to kill somebody. Yeah. It's like either Elle's going to have to do it, Will. It's going to have to be someone and it's yeah. going to hurt. I know. It's, I have, it's I have hurt my, us all. I have my money on who I think it's going to be at the end end, but it's just a theory. Oh, <laughs> so we're going to wait. We're waiting on it. I mean, we're I will say like, theory. I, I feel like it has to be Eleven. Because mm. she's the special, and the special is the one thing in all of these shows and properties that doesn't really remain. You know, like, mm. you know, Carrie dies, E.T. goes mm-hmm. home. Like, I think that we are seeing very much her trying to struggle between being a, a person of multiple realities and, right. and really struggling under that. So, and we haven't spent a lot of time seeing her adapt to this world on her own. Like, I feel like she's in such a place where she's so dependent on other people that I they, I really don't know how she could survive because we've never really seen that be the focus of her journey. Right. That's such a good point. It's... Oh, but I love her. I don't want her to go. <laughs> well, for me, when it comes to, like, my WTF moment, I... It was literally... It was early on, but it was definitely... When Eleven Jane put hands on Angela with that roller skate. <sighs> Angela! <laughs> oh shit! Angela, you okay? I was like, I was like, that happened. I was like, this is. <laughs> People are gonna be like, Princess, do you condone violence? And I'm just like, no, but that was like literally one of the most gangster things I've ever seen in my life. I was just like, the 80s bullying is not just light. That was, What they did to her oh, was no. traumatic. And she burned up her dead father. Who is you, Angela? I oh, literally, I was, I was like, well, after all she did, that's the least that could have happened to her. TBH. Yeah. This, it's a classic platinum blonde bully. Like, come on, girl. What did you think was going to happen? It, Do not go there. Don't go there. And it, I just think to myself, like, you all live in a world where Carrie exists. Like, <laughs> so you all think it's appropriate to pick on the little religiously dressed little girl who can't really do things right. That is the person who's going to destroy prom. Like, I don't know. Be that person's friend. And I think the thing that made me so sad and brought me to that point where I feel like Eleven is really struggling is that, like, she cares so much what Mike thinks about her that she'll, like, make up having friends. It helps that everyone is so nice here. I have made lots of friends. Oh, that hurt my heart. And I'm just like, and, and, you know, she doesn't really connect with Will in that way. Although I did love when he had them do the thing of Alan turning. I'm like, gay alert, gay alert, gay alert. Oh, we need to talk about that Mm -hmm. because that is, I am 
so mad. <laughs> well, we'll put a pin in that and we'll get right to that. We'll, we'll get a pin in that. But like, yeah, I was just like, she really has not attached to other people. And I don't mm-hmm. feel like the people around her fully understand that. But let's go into yeah. wait, Let's go into what you were talking about. My poor little baby is in love. Like, honestly, I've always felt that Will, like, is like my son. I kind of look like Winona Ryder slightly. And I feel like Will, like, combined with me and my husband right now, like, that would be the child. We'd have this, like, bug-eyed, haunted-looking ass kid. So, like, I've always connected with Will. I've always felt like he's my child. This little gay little boy is in love with his best friend. And it's like they keep leaving these clues. And if they don't act upon those completely, I will lose my mind. Maybe I am a mess. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm out of my mind. I will absolutely lose it. So, We need, I need him to open, like when he was telling Mike, like it's scary to open up and say how you really feel, like I was, I'm furious. (laughs) Like that entire, like here's my, all right, since last season, I have really felt like the party, as they call themselves, do really dirty by Lucas and Will in general. Mm -hmm. Because Duncan is very adaptable. He like has made his friends and he's good. I feel like the group doesn't really understand either Lucas's blackness or the fact that Will literally has spent a very long time in a very traumatic situation mm-hmm. and adapting to that. Like, they're not good at communicating that. And yes, they're children. But when Will was talking to Mike, it's like, we used to be best friends. And he's just like, I have a girlfriend now. She's my girlfriend, Will. And us. We're friends. I was just like, ah. I was, I was in a rage, like flames on the side Ugh. of my face. I was so angry because at that moment I was like, so Will is Boys. obviously in love with him. And I'm like, I, I hate know. that trope because they did it in It Part 2, which, you know, <laughs> so already clocked that. I but I hate that trope because it's like we're setting Will up for like heartbreak or like disaster. Uh, and my heart it. can't take that. Like I can't take it either. Will's been through enough. He's been through enough. He's been through enough. And even though I'm enjoying um, you know, Maya Hawk and Anne of Green Gables, it's also just like, again, it's this whole like fear and tension. It's like, yeah. I know that we're in the 80s, but like this is right, also wish right. fulfillment. Can we get a little bit of like happy? queerness you know yeah I'm hoping that he's gonna like open up like I do hope they talk about it I hope that he opens up to Mike and they have like a conversation and he's not somehow they resolve it where he's not just completely heartbroken and it's actually like a positive thing for him and then maybe we see like a in the future, if Will doesn't die, <laughs> if they, they can't, or if, if Mike kill, doesn't die, oh god! They, I hope they know that Will can't die. Yeah, it's like you cannot market a show and do this whole like skirting around someone's sexuality and then decide at the end, well, like we're just gonna like do whatever. Like you can't. You need to know your tropes, and it's been very frustrating mm-hmm. with like in rewatching season three how like Robin is like very much not queer-coded until, like, the very end. Because, like, it was Mm. like I was watching it knowing that she was, you know, a lesbian. Right. And everything they do is absolutely setting it off that she's going to end up being with Steven. And they're like, no, I like girls. And, like, that's fine. (laughs) But also, like, well, why didn't you make her butch? Why did you, like, overemphasize her femininity in that way? It's like, I love the show. Don't get me wrong, but like the ch- when they, when shows make those kind of choices around queerness, it feels very cliche and like repetitive. Right. Well, they're just using it as like a reveal where yeah. it's like it's a per- it's a whole person. <laughs> yeah. Like nothing about her would character. have. Ch- yeah. Exactly. And it's like I know it's Indiana. Like I've seen the prom, yeah. so I know it can be right. rough out there. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I think that there are better ways they could have handled that dynamic than mm-hmm. just being like surprise at the end although i do love right. that steve and robin are still bffs besties yeah, yeah. i i love their i love them together i love like steve with everyone yeah. i love steve and dustin yeah. i love steve and robin i even like steve and nancy like put steve with anyone and i'm happy <laughs> yeah because steve has a personality and charisma it's like that's the thing is like from like since the very beginning steve has been compelling to watch and Jonathan's mm-hmm. not no shade to the actor because it's not the actor's fault that character is just very 
Princess, I'm dying. You just hate Jonathan so much. (laughs) Because Jonathan is like every problematic trope of like 80s love interest that we've all decided suck but he still does all of them like he does the like light stalking he does the like light peeping he does the like I can't communicate with my girlfriend that's fair that's fair okay so let's talk a little bit about like D&D because um it's so fascinating because first of all like D&D itself like right now has blown up so much since season one of Stranger Things. And I do think it's partially because of Stranger Things, really. Oh, for like, sure. and it really sort of introduced D to a lot of people. And I'm so I'm just really happy that they're like incorporating more D this season because last season they did not. It was just like mm-hmm. at the end, real quick, and I it it's like I know that they're still using like D and D with the villains, but I still like when they incorporate like the game as well, and just with Eddie and with everything, the Hellfire mm-hmm. Club, the Satanic Panic. I just love it. I think it's yeah. so brilliant and perfect, and it's it's awesome. I, I yeah. don't know. Like my one of my favorite scenes was like the slow mo shot of Lucas like scoring that winning goal, and then oh, it like, yeah. cuts to Erica like freaking rolling that natural. I was like (laughs) it was like it made me want to play D&D so badly it was so Mm. epic I actually like cheered I was like yeah (laughs) when when it happened so it was just like it's so good I love it I love it so much what I do want to do is I want to just give a little bit of extra attention to my boy Caleb who plays Lucas and Stranger Things I Love him. I've loved that actor. He's a New Yorker like me, although Amazing. he's from Carmel. And I I have always had this feeling of like, I love the show. I, I never really felt like the show really knew how to connect Lucas's blackness, his nerdiness mm-hmm. all together in the show. But in watching this season, it was the first time in a while I felt like they're sort of dealing with the fact that like, Lucas wasn't just a nerd. He was a black nerd. And, Mm -hmm. like, with athleticism, he has a chance to really, like, stand out and define himself outside of his team. And the look on his face when, like, nobody came to his game was just really devastating to me. I know. It made me sad. It made me really sad. And I get it. Like, D&D was their thing that they could all enjoy together. But, like, those are, like, even though now they had, like, another Black kid in that group. But those tend to be predominantly white spaces. Like, I played Mm -hmm. Magic the Gathering. I played D&D. When I go to my L, you know, my local game store, I'm the only black girl that's there. Like, mm-hmm. it was really sad that, like, no one could understand that, like, this is equally important to him. And I right. think it's something that they really needed to start dealing with because, you know, look at, Lucas kind of gets the short end of the stick in the series, in my opinion. So I like mm-hmm. that they are letting him have a more complicated journey this season because I think yeah. that he deserves that because his— relationship to the characters will always be different because he's not white and he has to straddle these two worlds differently of being a regular person and being a jock and being black and being a nerd and I just felt really like it was refreshing to finally see that character get to do that and Caleb um, McLaughlin I think is his last name how it's pronounced is a great actor so it was great seeing him get that versatility to get to do Mm mm-hmm Oh, he did a great job. He really, like, you can tell that he stepped it up and he, like, took it seriously and really um, added layers to this character. Like, we want layers from these, especially these characters that we've known for many seasons now. It's like, these are the ones that we want to really connect with and the ones that, like, we want to care about if something happens in their friendship because this is like a core group that we've known since they were little tiny babies. Babies, <laughs> I know. And now he's 20 years old. Like he can drink this year. Like he'll turn 21 this year and he'll be able to drink in October. And I'm like, wild. You're just a little baby. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have loved him for such a long time. Um, he was great in Concrete Cowboys. Um, and I'm just really which was released on Netflix, um, it just, it feels good to see him get to lean into that. And I know he's been very outspoken about his blackness. So I just wanted to give him some props. We love you, Caleb. Uh, okay, I want to talk about freaking Vecna. Vecna wins! 
I was going to say, it's it's Vecna time. You can read my mind. It's Vecna time, baby. (laughs) We're bringing Vecna back. (laughs) We're bringing Vecna Vecna back. back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, this is the first time we're seeing Vecna in this series. So we're not bringing him back. But bringing him back in our hearts because I'm I'm obsessed. I don't know if I should just, like, start talking about my obsession with Vecna, but I'm in love. I think he's really hot. Um, So I am super into him. Mm-hmm. He's giving he, Swamp Thing Daddy. You know what I'm saying? I was he just like, is. <laughs> like his voice. Excuse me. It was like when he's like, "Join me." I would be like, "Yes, Daddy. Um, <laughs> let's go to your spooky demon house in the Upside Down." Like mm-hmm. I'm coming. Like would smash 100. Like I, I'm obsessed with him. Because there's another thing where like I love villains. I me love too. monsters. I love it all. So. Uh, but I was not into the Demogorgon. Demogorgon was too much for me. Mind flare, no. Vecna, though? Vecna, though? Oh. Obsessed. Yeah. Simp for days. Um, I would join him immediately, and I'm obsessed with everything about him. I just want more, more of him. Like, I will be your lich bitch. So... <laughs> Yes, I I loved Vecna. He was giving me Swamp Thing. I enjoy, like, the brutality of it. Like, each death scene, I was like, Vecna? Ooh. And then uh, (laughs) I was like, what did they do to you? I don't understand. It was so intense. So intense. When he asked to join you, it was giving, like, do you want to live deliciously from the Vich? Where I was just like, yes, 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 yes. And exactly. Then, <laughs> I like his little like scary haunted mansion house in hell. I would go. That right. sounds fun. Let's do it. And I did a little bit of research because he really is a D&D character. Yes. So, he's a big D&D baddie. So for those who may not know, Vecna is considered one of the greatest villains in D&D. He was originally a very powerful warlord who became a lich and was eventually destroyed um, with only like his hand and one of his one of his hands and one of his eyes yes. remaining. And he right. achieved godhood and still has those same things. And he is now this very powerful godlike figure. He's natural evil. And he is Love just one of the most popular characters, which makes it so cool that Mm -hmm. he actually is showing up in this series. So great. I wonder, like, how far are they going to go into, like, the D&D lore? Like, how much of that are they going to use in the show? Or are they just, like, taking him? Like, because with the Demogorgon, it didn't connect too much Mm -hmm. to, like, D&D. They just sort of, like, made it their own. So I'm wondering, like... Are the kids going to have to, like, find and destroy the hand and eye of Vecna, like, in order to destroy him? Or are they, like, not going to go with that and just, you know, they have to go to the Upside Down and kill him, you know? Yeah. I'm like, maybe, like, Eleven will, like, her fate is to become the new, like, Raven Queen or something (gasps) like that, which would be very on brand. the Sword of Cass? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Oh, can you imagine a lemon with a sword? I Forget it. Uh, oh, my God. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Okay. Also, I definitely want to get into Eddie, especially since I got to interview the actor Joseph Quinn himself, which you will hear later on in this episode. Eddie is such an interesting character because he's definitely, like I mentioned before, like an XP of, like, the West Memphis Free, this, like, poor kid, you know, with his long hair, very intense Love attitude. Him. He is the new DM for the Hellfire Club. Welcome to Hellfire. Which is yes. uh, great X-Men slash the uh, Avengers call-out. Um, <laughs> and the British Avengers, not the Marvel Avengers. Um, mm-hmm. So he is the... DM of the Hellfire Club, and he accidentally is in the same room with Vecna when he comes for this girl. Oops. And it's like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, like, it, it was so, I was like, I was ready for him to actually be the villain, and I was like, oh, no, he's just a lamb. And I'm like, oh, no, run, Eddie, run. <laughs> you you two- thought he was going to be the villain? I thought maybe, but then I was like, oh, no, he's good. Oh, no, but he's poor. He's going to get screwed. Run, Eddie, run. Yep, You're too poor yep. to get caught with a dead body. 
he really did get screwed. He really did. <laughs> and this like crazy chaos nerd boy, I immediately loved him and his energy and how he was just like, you know, we're the nerds and freaks, baby. I'm like, hell yeah, I would mm-hmm. join. I'd be in your club. Like, oh, so uh, sure obsessed and it was he just every every time he just keeps getting screwed like every time where you think like he's gonna be okay something happens and then he's like oh crap and then he's trying to get away and then he almost doesn't make it but then he does so like I definitely think he's gonna die no offense but oh for sure (laughs) plus that like must be like 85 degrees I'm sure he is sweat ting i was just like oh a that's a wig b that wig is so hot well it's because like i it's one of those things where a lot of my favorite characters die so when i like liked him immediately i was like oh no he's gonna die like because i loved billy and then billy died and i'm like oh god here it's here comes again another boy that i like that's gonna die maybe he lives maybe i'm wrong and maybe he will live and i will be a little happy clam but i don't think he's gonna live because i like him too much (laughs) Well, at least Billy lived for, like, a season because I didn't like Billy. Well, that's what I'm saying. And then when he died, I'm like, well, that was sad. But, you know, goodbye. But at least he got to go out being a champion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of Billy, like, Max this Mm. season is... She was just like completely brought into the forefront. And I'm glad because I was worried that she was just going to be like another throwaway character. And I'm like, we can't just keep bringing in characters for no reason. I hope that like we're bringing this character in like for a specific reason. And I think this was the reason. And I'm it was brilliant. I loved like the whole. The entire episode four was so wild and so, like, insane where they, like, realized Max had, like, 24 hours to live before, like, she would be, like, caught in Vecna's curse. So they're trying to figure out how to help her. Like, that was so wild. And I, like... I just felt for her so hard. And and then the end, like, the end of that episode, it really got me. I mean, I'm a suck. I'm a freaking sucker being a Harry Potter fan of mm-hmm. when, like, friendship and love, like, saves the day. Same. Forget it. I'm a big, big sucker for that. So, like, you know, the end moment where Max is, like, listening to the music and she sees her friends. And then, like, the friend montage moment. I was, like, as almost a sail- crying. Yeah, as, like, a magical girl Sailor Moon nerd, I'm like, this is a special my jam and I think ah. I think it really worked because her depression this entire that entire season mm. which is really mm-hmm. well done even though again I felt like Billy was supposed to be abusive so I'm like I don't it was very complicated but I love that they were mm. giving her time to be emotional and sad and that character has not always been used in the most constructive ways so it was great to see like her emotions her feelings really be at the center of it because she has gone through something very hard like that was her brother you know and and losing him in that way and not being able to really talk about what happened to him like you think about right if angela knew how hopper died she wouldn't be talking all that shit would she no (laughs) very true true oh my gosh like she, like he saved america angela skate to the face yeah. angela she, he's the reason that you're alive okay you would be dead respect on hopper's name on his sexy exactly. name definitely 100 percent. i am a hopper stand till the end but um but yeah max was like I loved how grounded and real her care. Again, I, they did such a good job with making all of this whole show being grounded in the characters, like real emotions and feelings that you go through of just like growing up. And then also there's a supernatural element to it. Yes. <laughs> so it's like we're dealing with all this human stuff. And then there's also like we could be killed by these D&D villains. Yeah. <laughs> So I just love it. It's the perfect Buffy episode. Like, Stranger Things is definitely, Mm. like, the great combination of, like, my favorite parts of Stephen King, my favorite parts of 80s horror, and my favorite parts of Buffy the Vampire Slayer all matched Mm -hmm. together. So it's super fun. They really, like, up to the horror aspect this season. Oh, for sure. Because last season was gross as hell, but this was scary. Like, Uh I was like, is this The Conjuring? Like, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, there were moments that I actually screamed. Like, there were moments where it was scary. And my favorite thing is, like, watching Stranger Things by myself at night. I love getting scared. So I was just, like, I was so pumped. Because the last season didn't really scare me that much at all. It was just gross. And I know. I'm just like, "Eh, I'm not. But this season, it's spooky. I like it. It feels like a horror movie. So I I love it. Yeah, that's the other thing. Vecna is giving Pinhead because he is definitely leaning Mm. into the body horror. And I'm just like... Like, okay, sir, you're hitting all my soft spots, all my sweet spots as a horror fan. So it's really good. So I do have a question for you, Princess, because uh-huh. this is one of my, like, favorite things uh, that they added to this season was, like— solving like the mystery of like oh well they didn't fully solve the mystery of Vecna yet but just like how we can help Max it's like oh you have to play like her favorite song to get like her out of Vecna's trance I thought that was great I freaking loved I love little stuff like that so I have to ask you what song would get you out of Vecna's trance Mm. I need to know that is a very in case of emergency question Um, right I think (laughs) Honestly, spice up your life uh, by the Spice Girls is like amazing. It's just, just all of a sudden you're like da 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 da, and then she's like da 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 when you're feeling sad and low. Sad and low. Okay, that's good to know. So if this happens, I'll know what song to play for you. What about you? Do I just do I just start whistling the Harry Potter theme song? Will that? Any John Will, like any John Williams, will would would like get me out of it. If you play any Elton John, Tiny Dancer would get me out of it. If you play like Holding Out for a Hero, that's a good um, one. Or um, what's uh, Turn Around, uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> any of those would get mm-hmm. me out of like I love music. So yeah. any of those just types put of things. Spotify on shuffle and just be like. <laughs> Baby got back. That'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Can you imagine? It's so just funny. Like, oh my god! You're like you're like look at her butts. Just like <laughs> Becca's like, what is happening? <laughs> you're like you forgot. You, you forgot one thing. Tessa loves music. <laughs> just oh, like <laughs> just boombox oh. like the weirdest thing. <laughs> Yeah, the boombox over the head and just yeah. like, all this random stuff keeps coming up. Oh, I love it. Perfect. So that I just needed to know just in case. Of course. You know, these are important questions that you guys should also ask your friends because you never know in a D&D slash uh, Stranger Things emergency when we're going to need to know these things. Right. I, are you prepared for a zombie apocalypse? Yeah, that yeah. just shows how much you care. <laughs> So, guys, this is a little call to action for you. So let us know what song would you want to be played to get you out of Vecna's trance that would get you out of Vecna's curse. Let us know at Netflix Geeked, on, you know, Instagram, on Twitter. Talk to us because this is a great question and I need to know everybody's song yeah. that would you know get yeah. them out of it so yeah definitely Spice World or the Sailor Moon theme song the American one I would just like automatically out or Bodak Yellow by Cardi B the top three obviously oh, yeah all great love that but yep this season so good really great immaculate 80s vibes like uh, incredible character development and feelings and emotions and reality but then also this huge intense supernatural mystery with D&D villains like the show is perfection it's so good they made it like it it came back full force Mm -hmm. and I'm just so impressed that they nailed it yeah I feel like to everyone who really loves season one season this newest season is definitely giving you that vibe that you wanted because I know people really love that like that D&D that fantasy it's it's giving that a lot this season it's it's very enjoyable now we have a very special treat for you guys. I'm so excited to tell you that I got to sit down in person with Joseph Quinn, the actor who played Eddie Munson himself, the freaking leader of the Hellfire Club, the D&D dungeon master. I got to sit down with him and I got to ask him some questions about his character and what it was like to be on the new season. And so here you go. Here is that. Enjoy. 
Tell me three of your favorite TV shows, and you can say Stranger Things. Go. Three of my favorite TV shows. Peep Show, Toast of London. Have you watched that show? These Are, the, are these all London shows? Yeah, kind this of. This is a yeah, British the, thing. Yeah, it's a British show. Uh, <laughs> and I loved a TV show called The Leftovers. Did you watch oh, that? Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yes. I really, really loved that one. Amazing. And going back to Stranger Things. Did you watch Stranger Things before you got cast, like as a fan? Be honest with me, sir. Well, uh, yeah, I watched the first season. And then after I got the part, I watched uh, two and three mm-hmm. and thought, well, a pile of shit. I'm not going to do it. Um, so <laughs> like, this is a deal breaker. So I said, I said no. And they were like, please, please, please. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. Um <laughs> So this is the fourth season of Stranger Things. The show is freaking massive. It already has this established fan base. Like, what was it like stepping into all that as a new character? Like, overwhelmed, excited? Totally overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I was daunted. I was nervous. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everyone in it is so lovely, despite it being so kind oh, of good. huge. Um, there was no kind of, no egos, especially, you know, in the, in the group that I was in anyway. Um, everyone was very kind and accommodating and yeah there was it felt like any but that's a lie it didn't feel like any other set um it felt it felt like a big scary (laughs) set but um it was was there a lot of green screen stuff oh there's lots everywhere the screen blue screen which is a whole different animal yeah apparently huh yeah speaking of getting cast i always love these stories like where were you and what were you doing when you found out that you got the role of eddie oh god i can't yeah it was, and I'm going to, at the risk of sounding totally self-involved here. Um, oh, no. Yeah, which is never a good way to start a story. <laughs> but like, it was kind of the easiest job I've ever got, which is crazy, crazy. But I sent two, in, in terms of, you know, you know the yeah, job. Yeah, I know. It's, it's incredibly. Yeah, there's can, a lot. It can be a long process and um, kind of numerous rounds of auditions and like lots of people saying yes and all, mm-hmm. or no. And, oh, yeah, it can be a nightmare. And I kind of sent. And I've been sending tapes off to America for years, you know, not hearing anything back, um, obviously, because you know, no one gets jobs. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. And uh, so I sent a tape off and then they asked me to do another one and then they asked me to do it. Mad. That is wild. So that I, never happened. No, so honestly, so like when I got the call, it was kind of, I, I was obviously very, very shocked. I thought kind of, it, you would think that there would be kind of, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Were you just at home and you got it? I was, yeah, I was at home and, and my agent called, called me and he's like, hey, is that Eddie from Street? And I was like, you, what? And then, yeah, and then I was, I was FaceTime. I did a Skype meeting with the Duffers like a few days later. Oh my God. And they were like, listen, we really want you to do it. And I was like, what? <laughs> And obviously they were so kind of like, oh, we loved you in this, some bullshit that I, I was in course, that they'd course. never seen, right, obviously, right, but right, they were right. being nice. And yeah. I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> You're like, what is happening right now? Yeah. I mean, obviously I was like, no, it's... Next question. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, obviously, uh, no, I watched yeah, it. And yeah, then- <laughs> I watched it. It's not good. Your show's not good. Um, uh, okay. Let's talk about Eddie Munson. Describe your character to our audience, this boy. He's uh, he's uh, chaotic. Yes. Um, falsely accused. Um, mm-hmm. stylish and kind of manic. Yes. Did you like wearing the outfits? Do outfits get you into character? I kind of loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I never kind of had that before. And the kind wig? Of, yeah, Does the wig help too? Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a very kind of surreal thing looking back at yourself and kind of you see that monster you know it's very weird <laughs> you're like that's yeah. that's me oh yeah but it's, and, so, it's so helpful you know it's kind of like oh it's it's but i think when you've got a kind of look that that bold right um, it kind of does do a lot but it does most of the work for you really. <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'm just filling in the blanks here yeah. like this is yeah. this is who he is totally so we find out at the end of chapter four that if you are under Vecna's curse and in the real world a song is playing that has meaning to you that it can help snap you out of it right if you were under Vecna's curse, what song would snap you out of it? What's a song that is meaning to you? Uh, uh, Any song. Golden Years by David Bowie. And why? Because it's a banger. <laughs> 
Just because it's a banger? Yeah. There, is, there's no like memory attached to it? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I listened to it a lot as a kid. That whole album, actually, Station to Station, is kind of one of my favorite albums. It's not uh, massively celebrated one of David's. Uh, but, uh, so play David. some Bowie and you'd be brought back. I'd be, I'd be back, yeah. Real quick, what did you love most about playing Eddie? So far, you know, he's the best character I've ever played. He like just he was beautifully well written. Yes, you know? and I think kind of there was he was given so much space to for, for redemption and for uh, kind of play. He's really playful and he's ultimately very heroic. He had everything that an actor could possibly want. You know, he had light, shade, guilt, yeah. um, juicy, uh, 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 levity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? No, he was great. I'm telling you, that's why I liked his character. Good. He was a great character. I'm glad you like him. It's it's one of those things where when you add new characters, they got to be good. Yeah, it could go wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you lucked out. You got a great one. Thank you. And you fucking nailed it. Bless so, you. Yeah, I wouldn't lie to you. Okay, we're going to do a little Stranger Things rapid fire. You're going to tell me if you, I'm going to say a thing, and you're going to say yes or no if you personally like it. And okay. It's all referenced in Stranger Things, all right? Right. Waffles. Yes. Bikes. Yes. Walkie-talkies. Yes. California. Yes. Handwritten letters. Yeah. Basketball. Yep. Dice. No. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> we're good. Oh. So nice meeting you, man. And you. <laughs> ah, so Tessa, what is your one more thing? My one more thing is I just need everybody to remember. We covered episode seven in a separate episode. Which will be coming out tomorrow. And it will break down everything in episode seven and our theories for the rest of Stranger Things season four. Also, I just want to say Hopper is alive and we must celebrate David Harbour and his sexiness that it's all back. Daddy's back. He's bringing sexy back. And Vecna is hot. Agreed. Daddy. Um, Daddy, Daddy Vecna. Daddy Vecna forever. We love him. One more thing, allowing queer babies to be happy is a good thing. Yes. And even though labels aren't necessary, fiction writers, sometimes you should label your characters because audiences want to know if you're queerbaiting us or not. FYI. And don't do it. Happiness. Get them happiness. Don't queerbait. It's bad. We don't like it. Stop shooting lesbians. The end. The Geek Podcast is hosted by me, Princess Weeks. And me, Tessa Netting. Find me on YouTube as Princess Weeks and on Twitter as Weeks Princess. And you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all the internets, at Tessa Netting. Guys, this is a Netflix Geeked and Spoke Media production. Our executive producers are Keisha TK Dutez, Brigham Molesley, Aaliyah Tavakolian, and Keith Reynolds. Kelly Kolf is our producer. Reyes Mendoza is our associate producer. Delora Patton is our coordinating producer. And Carson McCain gets a special thanks for being awesome. Sound design and engineering by Evan Arnett, who also composed and performed our original theme. And to stay updated on all things geeked, be sure to follow Netflix Geeked on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.